You're welcome. Jacinta, did you have to do did you have to do line dancing in high school? No. Or was that but, just a central Indiana requirement? No, but black people are like born doing line dances. There you go. So I was like electric sliding from a very early age. Turn around, go to town, boot scoot and boogie. All right. <laughs> <laughs> boot scoot and boogie. <laughs> At least it wasn't Cupid Shuffle. I feel like that's the only line dancing song we hear in Chicago. Uh, how about the wobble? Wobble, wobble, wobble. With you wobble, with you wobble, with you wobble. television recap analyze and love and hate on all things popular culture right now we're working our way through degrassi the next generation taking them usually two episodes at a time but today we've got a very special episode for you today we are talking about episode 303 you got the look it's a little roxanne song for you uh, before we start, two things. Spoiler alert, there will be full spoilers as we recap each week's episodes. And sailor alert, we will swear. So, what ofs. I am Tiffany Salter. I am a professor at Bates College. I teach Asian American and Pacific literature and also film studies. <laughs> I'm Jacinta. I'm an assistant professor of English. I study television, film, and pop culture. I teach classes in those areas as well as writing, literature, digital media, etc. I'm Sonic Gabbard. I'm a professor in the Department of Women's and Gender Studies at DePaul University here in Chicago. Um, I teach all things uh, feminist theory, but my research and focus generally tends to be on queer studies, queer theory, and transnational feminism. I'm Brendan. I'm a professor of English in the Humanities Department at Central State University, and I teach and write about African-American literature and popular culture. All right, y'all, I am recapping this week, and let me just say, I am thrilled, because this is the only episode I knew about going into this whole Degrassi adventure. This is the only one I knew anything about, which Same. I didn't know anything about except for thong. Okay, so thong, all caps, three exclamation points. The A-plot. <laughs> <laughs> the A-plot follows Manny. Uh, and so this episode opens up with a spirit squad. Is that what they're called? Spirit squad? Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. the spirit squad and sports team getting off of a bus. The players are muddy, so I don't know if this is rugby or soccer. Oh, it's I, soccer. I was going to say, I think it's soccer. Okay. Manny telling the heretofore unnamed Sully that he did a good job. Uh, Paige and Spinner take note and ask if she has a crush. But uh, then they make it very clear that she is not his type as he approaches, uh, I don't know, some blonde chick. Uh, when Paige says Manny would look adorable with any number of other guys, Manny says she no longer wants to be adorable. So this episode is all about Manny reshaping her image from adorable to hot. 
the first day of hotness is a velveteen track suit type thing with a tube top and low cut pants. Uh, I'm sure we will talk a lot about fashion in this episode. Uh, but JT notices and crashes on his skateboard. That day, Manny enjoys <laughs> JT's attention. But while shopping at the ball later with Emma, she reveals that she is happy to know that her new look is working, but JT is still just JT. Manny finds and then buys a royal blue thong with a few fake gems on the straps to crank up the stakes in her new aesthetic. Remember that moment in the early aughts when you could see everyone's thong? Well, Degrassi, Degrassi definitely goes there uh, when Manny wears very low riding jeans with the thong and becomes the center of attention at the school, even driving attendance to Emma's first meeting of sight, students improving the environment. Uh, JT runs into a post because he is so distracted by looking at her thong. And Manny asks Emma if the look is too much, but Emma says she looks great. So very supportive friend. JT is about to ask Manny out um, as Sully comes up and promises to go to the environmental event if she is going to be there. At Emma's meeting, there are tons of boys there, but they are all looking at Manny and not really paying attention to Emma. After the meeting, uh, Principal Radich says, uh, approaches Manny and says that the way that she is dressed is unacceptable and that no visible underwear. So the next day she is wearing her, the, you know, similar, if not the same low rider jeans, but no unders. Uh, in fact, she announces this to Emma. Uh, in science class, she drops the frog food and frog food in the front of the class, that's hard to say, bends over to picks it up and everyone is looking and wondering whether there is going to be a butt cleavage moment until JT rushes up behind her to block the view, claiming he wants to feed the frogs. Later, by the time JT works up the courage to ask her out, she has plans with Sully. Emma asks how she could do that to JT and says that Manny is getting a huge ego and dressing like an idiot. She says she's concerned and that she is that she cares about how Manny is acting, but Manny says that Emma is jealous. So the episode ends with Manny and Sully at some unnamed coffee shop with a glass front as Emma and JT walk by. Neither Emma, JT, nor Manny look like they're happy with how things have turned out, and we get a freeze frame in classical Degrassi fashion. So the B-plot follows the creation of the Degrassi band that was both inevitable and highly anticipated, I am sure. When Craig reveals to Joey that he is in a band with Jimmy, Spinner, and Marco. So Joey offers to let the band use his garage as a practice space. So little did the band know that Joey wanted to relive his own high school band nostalgia <laughs> by, honing in, by horning in on their practice even when he had uh, meticulously created a lovely, lovely ambiance for a dinner date with his girlfriend, Sydney. So Joey gets excited and at uh, different practices, first tries to join them by playing the keyboard and then by video recording the band uh, with a, a video a camcorder that he borrowed from Caitlin. So when he leaves the garage to take a phone call and leaves the camcorder going, the boys reveal that Joey is annoying them and being a bit embarrassing. Craig happens to be in the room when Joey is watching the playback and they have an awkward moment over this. But in a later scene, Craig reveals they practiced in Marco's basement. Craig apologizes to Joey and Joey re-offers the garage, acknowledging that he was wrong to try to relive his dreams through Craig's band and promises to leave the keyboard in a box. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of good meat on them bones to <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Should, should we should we start it? Should we start this off by singing 
Uh, Britney Spears, not a girl, not yet a woman. I was we, thinking more Cisco and the thong song. <laughs> we mean, will oh! not, I, I will not be joining in that, but you are welcome to do so. <laughs> Oh I mean, we already God. have Boot and Boogie. I think we've got enough. That's here. true. That's true. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, like uh, I, we've talked about elsewhere, you know, episode 303 is like one of the most iconic episodes of Degrassi, The Next Generation, especially the early seasons because of Manny and that thong and then the subsequent um, sort of fall out with her and Emma um, in in relation to that. Um, I'd forgotten how much JT walks into things in this episode, but I oh <laughs> So much. He is, he is bruised over Manny. He's a corporeal cartoon character. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because there's like JT and everyone else in this episode, right? And then maybe Sully. It's like Sully. But Sully is kind of part of the masses that are not JT. Mm-hmm. This episode is a lot of what we've, Tiffany, essentially, you've talked about before, where, like, the camera is with the creepy teenage boy, and it wants to make a point, but its point is, we spent a lot of time looking at Manny in this episode, especially in that scene when she walks up to the front of the classroom, and then I got uncomfortable watching it, so I think we can talk about how there's something sort of possessive about what JT does, but I also think the episode wants it to also be, he, early in the episode he says, like, I've known Manny since she was four. So I think there's like a sibling-ish feeling when he goes up there, but also I'm like, I don't I don't really want to see this wardrobe malfunction, not because I'm a prude, but because I'm like, it's still this, I don't know, that, that scene is very weirdly put together when you almost get that. Well, yeah, I mean, because like, I mean, we do spend a lot of time looking at Manny, particularly her backside. Um, And in that scene in particular, not only do we see the camera tightly focused, like it is an extreme close up. It is like it is her, that part of her body in isolation. We then get a cut to behind her in the aisle that she has just walked through. All of the students who are on that aisle are leaned into the aisle Mm-hmm. very obviously looking at her including I mean like there's a couple of people I can't remember who else but like most notable to me is Liberty so like for like I think that it is interesting that it is like not only like the boys in the classroom but also Liberty who it earlier like had confronted Manny the day before in class when she was wearing the thong about the fact that she could see her underwear so like well, and it's and those shots are very because there's also shots in this episode where we're sort of with Manny mm-hmm. swooping through the school, yeah. and you can feel the sort of she's getting the response she wants, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting Liberty, JT, and Emma, and the different roles they play in this episode in relationship to her choices. This is definitely a storyline that I wish. I don't think narratively would have made sense over two episodes, but I almost wanted more because the fight at the end, I think they're very careful about Emma saying like you're acting. It's like not how you're dressing. It's how you're acting. But I don't think we've quite gotten to the actions in the way the episode wants us to. It like Mm -hmm. wants to dine out on her empowerment. I also think though, part of what the episode is doing there is like 
pulling on two seasons worth of their friendship because Manny's very much like, I always support you in whatever stupid thing you're doing. She doesn't say whatever stupid thing, but in whatever stupid thing you're doing, whatever annoying thing you're doing, whatever you want to express, I'm always there for you. And this one time where I'm starting to go out on my own, you got a problem, right? And we've talked about that in previous episodes, Mm -hmm. how Manny is playing the supporting character for Emma, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that is very much what they're pulling on there, even though we don't really necessarily see as much buildup as we might expect in the singular episode. We did see a similar argument, though, when Manny went out for cheerleading. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and, but what's frustrating is the Emma having a problem with man a problem with Manny's attitude because she doesn't want to be with JT. Like I I know we're supposed to be we're supposed to be sympathetic to JT, but again, JT has yet to prove himself as being worthy of Manny. Like that's what's really frustrating. I'm like they're all little horny teenage boys. Like who? Who are who of these boys is the best boy? Like it's a no, it's a no win situation for man. Well, I mean, so like there's a couple of things here. Like first of all, like going back to the episode where they go through cheer. I mean, like in a sort of, I think that there's a visual motif that I found a pattern that I found interesting in that, like we again see the two friends looking at each other through glass, which is why I very specifically like mentioned at the end of the episode, like she's in this. Uh, she's in kind of like, you know, one of those like bay fishbowl windows that you see in restaurants sometimes. JT and Emma, who are walking together and walking by, can like fully see uh, Manny in that window. And, I, and we're supposed to understand like there is a separation uh, that, you know, they are the repetition of like when um, Emma was looking at Manny through the window as she was at Spirit Squad practice. Um, mm-hmm. But also like, I mean, to the point about JT, I felt like Emma's reaction was a little strong in regard to JT because I mean, like Toby liked Emma for a while and she wasn't interested. Like, I mean, like, I do think that it's interesting that like Manny was measuring the increase of her social capital um, by like JT's response. And I don't know that like she would put it in terms of like social capital, but like there is a certain power that she's trying to like play with in this space and like see what it feels like and how to use it to maybe get something that she wants, which is maybe Sully, but like, why? That's neither here nor there. Exactly. I, I think that she makes it like a valid point. Like, I mean, Emma does call, say that she is dressing like an idiot at the end, even though she was supportive when Manny asked how she looked like earlier in the episode. But I, yeah, I just, I, I think that it's an interesting continuation of the tension, but in their relationship when, 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 it, when they're not doing what Emma wants. Two things I wanted to throw out there is uh, there's one of the, I think I mentioned it before, there's a Degrassi out of context account um, that I follow on Twitter that posts like pictures from Degrassi as they're going through the episodes. And they have a whole ongoing thread of characters looking through glass. So they just post in every episode, they'll take a screenshot of characters looking through doorways and windows and stuff like that. It happens a lot. There are a lot of pictures in that thread. Um, but the other thing um, that I want to say there too is it's not like 
Manny, we've seen JT get jerked around before, right? Like he had that moment with Paige where they, you know, the whole fake date situation and all that stuff. But that's not what Manny's doing, right? She never promises to go out with him or anything like that. He just gets there too late, right? Um, and she's already got a date with somebody else. So it's not like she like malevolently jerked JT around or something. And even if she did, like she's not obligated to go out with JT just because exactly. they're friends. Thank you. Exactly. That's what bugs me. It bugs the shit out of me because I'm like, Manny is trying on something. She's yeah. not getting very much support. She's going to get a lot of backlash from all the authority figures, right? Because she's ex she's flexing her sexuality in a particular way that schools in particular don't appreciate and are against, right? Young women trying on different different sort of revealing clothing, God forbid. So she's she has no support. All she has is are these horny dudes like <laughs> staring at her i i'm i feel for her in this episode plus i mean there's also there is a there we haven't talked about the fact that manny is one of the few characters of color that we get to focus on right and manny is wanting like she doesn't get enough storylines period and that that will change um starting this season but you know i think that there's i don't know do you think the the episode lands on the side of Manny, like because I don't. No, I, 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 I think that the, at the end, like none of them are happy, and I and, and so like I think that like Manny wants to like try out this different way of gaining power, and also thinking about like Manny as the hero of Manny's story, <laughs> rather than as a supporting figure for Emma all the time. But like I don't know that. Like I think the the longing look between the glass between the three characters like very much shows that she has realized that like there is something that is not right about like how this has landed for her or it hasn't quite met her expectations. Yeah, I mean to be clear, I think when I thought I just I wanted more time in the episode. I think that yeah. because I think the end is sort of trying to manufacture something and what it lands on doesn't work. I liked the idea that this empower, I mean, I think it's kind of a hackneyed thing that a female character goes through an empowerment journey and thus has to become selfish. And I think that that is what this episode kind of thinks it's doing. Right. But I also think that as much as Emma can be annoying, I do think that it, even in the last season, there has started to be an, uh, this ongoing dynamic that they do have Manny come into a character, all the stuff with Craig, this sort of romance, the fact that she wants that and Emma does, right? There's sort of this sort of thing. And I think just the end doesn't stick a landing that could have been more interesting. Cause I do think it is interesting that Emma is mostly supportive for most of the episode. She doesn't get it. Like, I think the more interesting scene is in the mall when I expected her to be super prudish and she isn't prudish. She just doesn't quite get it. Like she's not, there's some judgment, but the judgment isn't like you would be dumb. The judgment <laughs> is like, I just don't get it. Right. She says, I, she says that thongs shouldn't be sold in the mall. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, it's <laughs> but no, it's a specific thong. It is a thong. Let's be real. We all wanted that thong. It was a thong. <laughs> Some of us don't want thongs. 
I don't want thongs. But I don't that's want thongs. That, y'all, didn't, y'all didn't wear your thongs for this episode? <laughs> Just for, like, it's a thong with um, studs on it, like spiky studs, like yeah. you would see at a punk show. And so that's the one that she's holding up. So maybe Emma's not anti-thong per se. <laughs> anti-spiky thongs. I also think she's much more supportive in this episode than she has been in the past. I do think there is some accumulated stuff. Also, the Craig thing. I think there's a broader structural issue with the show about Emma because Emma is our tie to the last generation. So that, plus her whiteness, means that she's often centered. I think the Sully character and the like Manuela exotic thing is also happening here, right? Is that I think that none of these solutions are presented as being the best for us as the viewer, even if they're the best for her in her experience of them. It's just the episode is trying to do all these things and it doesn't know how to be empowered, but also comment. There's something there. I mean, I did appreciate Emma's support in the first half. And I think that the when she blows up and she she's like, you're, she does at the end. I mean, because like she says, no, I think you look great. And then she says, you've been dressing like an idiot. So like one of those things is not true. <laughs> okay. And but she so, also says it's not, about, she said you're dressing like an idiot, but it's not about how you look. It's about right. like your ego. No, I know. And and, and I, I I hear you making that distinction and I agree with it. But like, it, it, I think that what I was sort of the point that I was thinking about was more from Manny's point of view. Mm-hmm. Like, you hear the thing that is being said at the moment and you realize that that is the true thing rather than the thing that somebody said to you yesterday. Because mm-hmm. like, Emma doesn't say right now you're dressed like an idiot. She says like, you've been dressing like an idiot Mm -hmm. and so like that means that like we have this sort of like tight time frame of three different days and so like you know what I mean like that's that's Mm -hmm. so that's where I was coming from like I think that like there's just unresolved tension in like between the two of them in their relationship that really centers around how much attention Emma is attention and support Emma is willing to give to Manny's interests and pursuits because I mean like in the first half of the episode we do get her in a very interesting way supporting Emma's you know students improving the environment club Mm -hmm. yeah because it, it because Manny doesn't have to care about the group she would still show up for Emma but I'm not at least from Manny's perspective, I don't think she feels that that same uh, attention is reciprocated for her interests, right? Um, I wanted to go back to the Craig thing, too, because I do think that is important here, right? Uh, because, you know, when the reason that her and Craig didn't work out is because he said she reminded him of his little sister, right? Which is very much putting her in that cute, adorable category, right? So it's not like this is... this. Is, I mean, we could imagine this is something that Manny has been thinking about for a while, right? Um, to get to this particular point um, where she decides to make a change, right? A drastic, significant change. I also, like, I don't know any, like, backstory in this, but I also wonder how much of this was, like, planned and how much of it was the show realizing, oh, shit, 
Cassie Steele's real pretty. We got to yes. do something about that because um, <laughs> they're not going to believe us <laughs> if we don't do something. <laughs> well, I mean, they're all really, like, uh, the, the actress that plays Liberty is also really pretty. Like, they're all pretty, but Cassie Steele, like... She has a major glow up, okay? And I think, I don't know if they planned that in. <laughs> I, You know, the other thing, too, is that tension that, to go back to this sort of, Tiffany, what you said is uh, as Manny being the star of her episode, I mean, the, the hero of her story, Manny also is sneaking these clothes. So there's also that, right? She doesn't have support from home. Whereas if Emma wanted to do a J-Lo up, which is what Manny <laughs> Spike would be like, but she probably would, would help her. Whereas Manny's doing this all on her own. Do Manny's parents just think that she lives in this one giant hoodie that she keeps right. wearing to school? Well, she doesn't have parents that appear. I mean, I do. I think part of what you're also pointing to is one of the things that's disappointing about the episode to me is that however we feel about the Emma thing, that is specific to their friendship. The only right. other girl that responds is Liberty, which also makes sense to Liberty's character. But there isn't, I mean, there's a sort of Paige commentary, mm -hmm. but this is an episode where it would have been great if her and Paige had a heart-to-heart. -heart. Or if her and Mrs. Hazalakos had had a heart-to-heart. -heart. Or if her and Mrs. Kwan, or if she'd ended up talking to, like, there's something here that's missing about mm -hmm. a female figure, because part of the, um, I mean, I think part of the tension between Emma and Manny is obviously the, like, best friend sidekick role that Manny was mm -hmm. in, especially in the first season. I think the other tension is they're doing femininity in two different ways. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. Emma's is about, she feels very confident in the way she presents herself. Like I think that I think is really interesting that she doesn't feel the need to change in the way that Manny does. And that's not saying either one is right. And there is that tension, but we don't get another character who's presenting herself the way that Manny wants to to say, hey, like it would be cool if Paige had stepped in because Paige is someone who often gets judged as being dumb or being full of herself or whatever. And sometimes Paige, so I think that, cause like the Liberty conversation is interesting and also, you know, continues to funnel Liberty into the most confusing sexuality of all <laughs> characters on the show. Doesn't she say, doesn't she say undergarments or something like that? <laughs> And I was like, what is happening? She's like, I really don't want to look at it. And like, if I was her age, I'd be like, then don't, which is exactly what Manny says. Liberty would be the parent telling you that baggy pants are a prison signal. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's Liberty. <laughs> oh my God. Oh. I think the other reason I was thinking about adults, I don't know if you want to switch to the other storyline, is that the other storyline is all about adults giving teenagers versions of their own experiences, right? It's all about Joey and Craig sharing their different experiences of high school, right? So it's like, there is this other, these adults, mm -hmm. like Caitlin. Yeah, Caitlin should have been the person actually, because Caitlin was also given a lot of scrutiny in her, like in the- Yeah, but she doesn't know any of these people. If, yeah, if it, 
If it had been Emma, then yeah. But they bonded at the wedding. Manny and Caitlin just stood there like the the you know when Joey goes to get that camera from Caitlin, as as you do, you borrow a camera from your person who friend who works at a news station. You know, she tries to pull him back from the ledge of his own demise, and he just leaps right on off there anyway, uh, because he doesn't hear what she, or he doesn't want to hear what she's trying to tell him, which is to, like, give them teenagers some space, man. Which is kind of his his narrative on this show, is that he's the adult who wants to be the bachelor teenager, or like the bachelor he dreamed of being as a teenager, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, he wants to live his best life. Because because the other thing is, I think Joey is more mature than Snake is. Like, I think Joey has a better head on his shoulders when it comes to child rearing and taking care of Angie and just not being, I don't know, Snake is weird. I have a Snake issue, but... Yes, Joey wants to, you know, he's really invested in his car. He's really invested in his his teenage boy things. Remember the stripper, all of that stuff. Never forget. <laughs> yeah, Caitlin, Caitlin is the most, like, just in this show now because she was in the original Degrassi character. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't really care about her. Like, I think she's a fine lady and I'm interested in her... <laughs> As related to Joey, I have no emotional attachment to her. Mm-hmm. She's not connected to any of the children. I knew mm-hmm. from that from the first episode of the season. I mean, we've met her before, and she was clearly set up to be the one who got away. In the first two episodes, she's also the one who got away. I just, I'm confused why she's here. Isn't she also Emma's godmother? Like, yeah. she's like a person in Emma's life. Like, she helps. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they do have a relationship. She just yeah. hasn't been around on screen. She's a career woman. She's neither a parent nor a teacher, which is what all the other adults on the show are. Yeah. Or Joey's girlfriend, who is very cute. She's very good looking. Yeah, she is. Yes. I actually had completely forgotten about her until she popped up in that episode. Like... <laughs> I did not remember her as a character. I feel like they do Sydney dirty in the way that they style her. Because like, she she dresses older than she is. Like, oh, she's yeah. Got serious mom vibe. But she's, like, very beautiful. She, she's in the Business Lady 3000, um, which <laughs> they sort of slap on female characters uh, to show you that they're serious business ladies, mm-hmm. um, regardless of who they actually are. So everybody goes to dates in suits. Wait, she's in a suit, or I think she was like, wearing, a, like a blazer. She's in a blazer. Oh, okay. Over for dinner at Joey's house. I mean, I wear blazers on dates. So what am I saying? She's <laughs> a business cash, you know. As one dies at somebody's house. Yeah, like you do. I also, I mean, I guess we should imagine that at least Spinner and Jimmy have reconciled enough to be in a band together. Yeah, I was also wondering about that. You know, them and Marco and Craig, which Joey's advice is not necessarily terrible, right? Like, <laughs> no. he's, he's not wrong about, like, necessarily, but he's just intruding. But <laughs> well, he only knows one song on the keyboard, so. Right, right. Yeah, it sounds like he only knows one song, full stop. Like, no, that's, that's basically what Caitlin said. And I was like, oh, it's true. Because Zit Remedy only wrote one song, and that's the only song he knows. 
Oh my God. That image of Ashley and Angie on the couch watching. <laughs> like, I don't know about y'all, but like I had, that was very triggering for me. I was like, this is too, too real for middle school for me. Like, well, they're all in high school now. So, okay. High school. Well, I was, <laughs> I was in the band. I was in the band in high school, but middle school was not allowed to be in the band. Ashley's the only one who's like proven that she actually like can be like is a musician. And so like the I, fact that she is there, like like listening to whatever the fuck they are playing, which is not music quite yet, almost. They should go. She should have. She should have gotten on the keyboard. She could light a few candles. Yes. Set the mood. <laughs> sing yep. them a nice little poetic song. Love always, Ashley. Well, and when Joey first pulls out the keyboard, somebody, it might have been Craig, asked, oh, is this for Ashley to play? Yeah. And the guys were like, no. <laughs> well, and Ashley's watching, but I guess that Ellie's bearding doesn't, like, there's a limit to her bearding. Uh, and the yeah. limit is she doesn't have to pretend to care about the band. Well, if it was in Marco's basement, Ellie might be there. That's true. Well, that's that's true. true. Marco, Marco sends her a frantic... I am saying, I need you to come over and be my girlfriend and sit on the couch. You know, that's another thing I was going to say in the last episode that we recorded is that these people don't have cell phones and it shows. Like, <laughs> the way that they have to, like, communicate with each other with actual phones and things is a little bit jarring sometimes. And quarters. And quarters. <laughs> Uh, opening credit sequence of the first two seasons lied to me because there, oh, was it a beeper or was it a, I thought it was a phone on a belt. It was a phone, maybe it was it was Nokia. Yeah. And now it's what, the back of Marco's jacket? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Iconic. <laughs> Fucking iconic. Yep. We should all get jacket, uh, denim jackets and put Degrassi on the back of it. Sure, sure. I already have one. I, I have three for different seasons. <laughs> you have three different denim jackets? Uh, all with Degrassi on the back, obviously. I'm imagining one being like no sleeves, just for like <laughs> the warm weather. I mean, know? I am a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> Required attire. Wear some of the wear some of the Sean Cameron finest mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. from his his line of eight mile clothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Him and Tracker. Oh God. Favorite thing? Can I say mine first? Because I'm afraid y'all are gonna take it. Okay. <laughs> yes. Go for it. Go for it. Uh, well, it's in all caps. I'm gonna say it into the mic real loud. Tropical hardwood toilet seat. <laughs> Yes! <laughs> I, I, that is not the environmental cause that I thought we were going to be talking about. And that yet, is bougie as bullshit! <laughs> it was a thing, though, in the early aughts. People got... For parents who were wealthy enough to afford these hardwood toilets. I remember, though, when people would buy toilet seats. As soon as she said it, I, my parents didn't, but I remember being in people's houses. <laughs> I did not. Maybe this was a northern Midwestern thing. No, I it was just that. a thing. In yeah, Canada? <laughs> well, because Canada and Wisconsin border each other. Uh -huh. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I did not know that was a thing, Brendan. I really, wow. Well, I know I'm never going to buy them because it will de. 
contribute to deforestation in the rainforest, which are the planet's lungs. All right. Okay, so I have two things. My first one is, of course, the iconic line where Manny said about her uh, underwear, she says, no, because I'm not wearing any. Uh, in response to Emma's inquiry, because, you know, she, um, she, she figured out a way to deal with the rules. You said I can't wear a thong? Cool. No underwear. Cool. <laughs> Mando. Yeah. Live your best life, Manuela. And then my other favorite thing is her baby blue outfit with the yes. matching hat. Yes. Um, I mean, all the outfits are great. They're very early 2000s. Baby fat, J-Lo, tracksuit, jogging suits, matching hats, bucket hats, like all of that. And they're all great, but I am a I have a soft spot for baby blue, so that one is my favorite. Yes, it's so good, it's so good. And she also looks like she's like going to be a cheetah girl, <laughs> or like in Dream, or like one of the girl groups of the early two thousands. Yes, yeah. One of mine was also just Manny's hats in all caps. But the other one that I my other favorite thing is. I don't know how closely, I never usually do. I just happen to catch it, but I don't know how closely other people pay, pay attention to the end credits. But in the end credits of this particular episode, you learn that the song that the boys are playing was written by Jake Epstein. And in the credits, it is, so like the name of the song is Residual. Uh, and it is, it is, credited as written by Jake Epstein and performed by Jake Epstein, Aubrey Graham, Shane Kippel, and Adama Ruggiero. So, so we were hearing something written by the actor himself. Amazing. So is this Drake's debut track? I think so. I think so. Should we put it on the internet so people know? Oh, no. Let's not do that. <laughs> uh, my favorite thing was, uh, well, all the things we just said, but also... Uh, when Manny says, I don't want to be adorable, bunnies and puppies are adorable. And the reason, I mean, obviously it's pretty great, but also when we were little, my brother and I would always, people would say we were cute. We would always say Brad Pitt cute or baby turtle cute because there's like a very important distinction. <laughs> yes. And so this, I very much vibed with that. I'm going to hope that no adults were saying that you and your brother as children were Brad cute because that's a lie. <laughs> but yeah, so that was, and then also, of course, I have several times in my notes, I literally wrote, this thong makes me laugh at one point. So obviously the thongs, but uh, do we have predictions, Tiffany? Oh, wait, I have a quick question. Quick question for y'all before the predictions. Who do you think narked on Manny. Oh, Liberty. Yeah, it was Liberty. I think she, I think, yeah. I think she made it pretty clear she would because I think Emma was pissed, but she wouldn't, that like the exact language that was used was the language Liberty used. I kind of think it might've been JT being possessive and weird. No, the timing doesn't work. Oh, okay. I did think it was curious and interesting that 
the halter top wasn't against the school dress code, but the thong was. Just because school dress codes tend to be really oppressive toward girls in general, and they don't like spaghetti straps or shoulders. So <laughs> I, I thought that part was interesting. Also, when Emma says you're dressed like an idiot, at first I thought she was talking about the idiotic crop sweatshirt, but then I realized it's much deeper. <laughs> <laughs> Predictions. Uh, I just more of Manny pushing the boundaries of respectability politics. So I, I you know, I, I think that like this is going to continue to be like uh, an issue with Emma and yeah, I'm here for it. Yeah. I mean, obviously that's going to be tension and then clearly Manny is going to have more romance. Mm -hmm. I mean, we haven't had any Terry, we haven't had any Ashley yet so far this season. So I suspect that the pendulum will swing towards them because things can't be good with Craig for very long. And he's been in these episodes a lot, but not with her at all. Yeah, no Crashly. Um, and also I know what the title of the next two episodes are about. So I'm I'm interested to see where that those go. I also just wanted to um, mention, I meant to say it earlier, but the place where Manny is at the end of the episode, I'm pretty sure that's the dot which is like their local hangout spot. And that might be the first episode that we see it in because I can't remember that we saw it beforehand. But it's like, it's like if you watched uh, 90210 and you know they all hang out at the, the peach, peach pit. pit. Or the Max. Right. It's like their peach pit or the Max, right? It's where they go to hang out. Or P3 because I'm now watching Charmed and feel yes. very informed. As you do. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see. Although that Now do we sing the song, acquaintances. You know, if you want to take us out on it, I I don't recommend it. I will take my headphones off. What if? Let me make a break. Make you This is not working. We also want you to check out my friend Chris Robley, who has allowed us to use his song Anonymous for our intro and outro music. You can find Anonymous on Chris's fifth album, The Great Make Believer. His website is chrisrobley.com, and that's R O B L E Y. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram at Chris Robley. And Chris is also the co host of the DIY Musician Podcast, so check it out. This week's episode was edited by me, Tiffany Salter. Thanks again for listening, and we will talk at you next time. <laughs>